If you found Mark chapter 4, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. <clears throat> Dear guests with us today, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. We started in January. We find ourselves in chapter 4. We've seen Jesus do great miracles. Crowds have come around, so much so that at the Sea of Galilee, he backed up in a boat and preached to the crowds. We've seen him heal people. Chapter 4 opens up with a really famous parable of the different soils, one of the hard path where the seed hits and bounces off and never takes root, one of the rocky soil where it feels like it's going to grow but dies off, one where the thorns are that chokes out the seed, and the fourth soil is the one that bears all the fruit. That's the good soil. Jesus just told that parable, and now he brings the word soil forward to begin another description of the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to read a passage that's going to feel a little disjointed from verse 21 to verse 34. You're going to find two quick sort of pithy sayings, then two parables about the kingdom, and then down to verse 33 is Mark stepping aside and giving us an editorial. We're going to try to tie it all up together in one sermon. Join me there. Mark chapter 4 verse 21. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like the grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the, <clears throat> is the smallest of the seeds on all the earth, Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. <clears throat> Here's the editorial. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Join me as we pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, I pray on the merits of Jesus, my Lord, the Lord of this church. We come to you on the merits of Jesus by the power of the Spirit, and we ask you to help us. Father, I pray that you would mend the wounded heart and soul that's here today. That unusually, Lord, would you in an unusual way be close? Father, I pray for people that are close to the church and yet don't know the Savior. Father, I pray that you would give them ears to hear 
that today might be a day of being welcomed to your family, to the kingdom. Lord, may the words of my mouth be so close to the Bible. May I rightly represent what you've given us. May Christ be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Friday night in this very room, we had a graduation from Hickory Grove Christian School. Where most of you are sitting right here, all of the family and the friends and those close by, and uncles and aunts. I stood out in the lobby greeting people, and a guy came through I'd never seen before. He said his niece was graduating and hugged me. I said, Brother, I'm not going off to war. Go find your seat in there. Anyway, people crowded in here, and the graduates up top in the balcony, where a lot of you are seated, seated right now, they lined up, and when pomp and circumstance began, I was standing right down here, they walked down the stairs, and when the first graduate hit the floor right over there, the crowd erupted. As parents and friends and family started to celebrate, all, all idea of decorum was thrown out the window. I think because it felt so good to see so many kids accomplishing so much. And not only that, I mean, accomplishment is one thing. You can look back, you can put the diploma on the wall and say, that's what I accomplished. But a lot of them were looking forward. With that class of graduates, 11, maybe $12 million worth of scholarships were given, looking forward. But when you look forward, you can't really know how certain things are. When you look back, you can see what you've done. You can write it down. That's my history. When you look forward, you can, you can get anxious because you don't know what is down the road. We understand that God has a plan and he is working out his plan. The problem is we can't, we can't see his plan. Well, in chapter 4, part of his plan, chapter 4 of, of Mark, part of God's plan is unfolding. It's Jesus Jesus is not only healing and, and raising people. He's not only feeding people. He's not only doing miracles. He is teaching. And he's teaching that this gospel truth drops into the soil of your heart. There's only one kind of soil that makes, does any good. It is that soil where the crop begins to produce. That theme continues now in chapter 4, in verse 21, and when he begins to give pithy statements about what it looks like to be in the kingdom, what it looks like to follow God's plan. What I hope this morning is that you can take away, if you're one of God's people, is that God's people take joy in God's plan. God's people look back and we can see all that he's done. You can write it down in a history. You can celebrate your accomplishments. What I'm asking you to do is to look forward into what you can't see. That is God's plan. And I'm going to encourage you to rejoice in God's plan. How are we going to do that? Well, we need a couple of things along the way. And hopefully this passage will help us. Here's the first one. Number one, we need to see that the word of God is our focus. You're going to rejoice in God's plan. You don't know what that plan is. I'm going to call you to the Word of God. The Word of God is our focus. What I want to do is take verse 21 and read all the way down to verse 25. Let me read and give some comment. 
Maybe you can write some things in the margin, and then we'll come back and make some application. If you're a guest, we just sort of go through the Bible, and the sermon is what the Bible says. So join me there. You keep looking at the Bible, and we'll talk about it a bit. Join me there in verse, verse 21. <clears throat> and he said to them, we don't know who the them is. It's more than the 12, it's less than a great crowd. A lot of people there, he spoke to them. You're going to see that phraseology quite a bit here. It's the emphasis on Jesus' teaching. You'll hear it again and again. He said, he spoke, he said, he said to them, here comes a little pithy statement. It's not really a parable. It's more like a rhetorical question. And he asks, is a lamp, this is ridiculous. It's meant to be absurd. Is a lamp brought into the room and put under a basket? You don't jam it under a bed. No, verse 21. Instead, you put it on a stand in the most prominent place. So you have two rhetorical questions. The absurdity says, of course, that's not what you do. You put it on a stand. Verse 22. Nothing is hidden. He's going to talk about himself now. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except, to become, except that it comes to light. He is the lamp, in verse 21. He is no longer held secret in the Old Testament. He has now come to the earth. John the Baptist was the forerunner. Jesus came, was baptized, fulfilling Scripture, and is shown to be the Messiah. His ministry is unfolding. People are being healed. His teaching is fulfillment of Scripture. And what he's saying here is, now this is going to spread around the world. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When I pray for you, that's what I pray. When I pray about Sundays, I pray that I would not say anything that would be outside of what the Bible says, that it would be honoring to the Lord, good for the people he's given me to pastor. When I pray for you specifically, I pray that God gives you spiritual discernment, that you hear, that your soul is fed, that your heart is full, that your mind is right before the Lord. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he takes that forward in verse 24. Look what he says there in verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. You have to pay attention here. Pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. With the measure you pay attention, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. As you pay attention those dividends will pay off. It's going to be worth it if you'll pay attention. And still more will be added to you. Verse 25 is a, a bit of a scary verse. For to the one who has, you're paying attention, you're using the measure, you're investing your mind and heart, you're listening, you're following along. To the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has is taken away. Okay, so there are the two statements. Now, let's go back to it. Let me make some application. What do we do? What does this tell us to do? The first one, it tells us to share the gospel. Share the gospel. You might even want to write it, shine the gospel. You see it in verse 21, right? There's the lamp. What is the lamp supposed to do? The lamp is not supposed to be put under a basket. It's not supposed to be put under a bed. You take that lamp, which is Christ, and you put it in the most prominent place in the house so that the light can cascade down on a dark room. That lamp that he's talking about, 
would be a clay pot with olive oil and a little handle. It would be an open flame. Jesus says, that's me. Now, everybody here, if you've been coming for any time, a couple of things that you, a couple of things that you already know. You didn't even mean to. If you've come to Hickory Grove for any, let's say you've come for a year. You probably accidentally have memorized Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God. Okay, you got it. You didn't mean to memorize that, but you got it. You know what else you have? You actually have the gospel. Every single Sunday, I use the exact same template to talk through what the gospel is. You understand that God is a holy creator, created us in his image. You have that. The image of God is in us is disfigured by our sin, so you're holy God, sinful men. You've got that. There is a problem. You see that Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God who lived perfectly, died on the cross in the place of sinners. God raised him from the dead, so you have God, man, Christ, and the necessary response for the gospel to be appropriated to your heart is repentance and faith. Turn from your sin, turn to Jesus. Now you know the gospel, you have it. When you read this passage in verse 21, Jesus is saying, you have the lamp, you have it. You don't take that and cover it up or put it somewhere where it's not useful. You take that gospel and put it at the very the most prominent part of your life, and that gospel becomes useful. That's how people are one to Christ. You. I got, a, I got an iPhone, not on me right now, because every time I use it as an illustration, Dave or somebody calls me on it. So I'm not using it as an illustration, but the screen, they've done something to the screen that has baffled all old people like me. So often now, I accidentally touch it in some way and the flash, flashlight comes on. And all the kids make fun. Look at the old man with his flashlight on and his phone. You put it in your pocket and you got the flashlight. Doesn't belong. Should not be like that. That's not how that's supposed to work. Jesus says, here's the lamp. Don't put that away somewhere. We put that. We share the gospel. And what else do we do? I'll give you a second thing to consider in this one point. We trust that the gospel will do its work. We're going to talk about that more, but the gospel will do its work. In verse 22, Jesus says, Nothing is hidden, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except will come to light. He's, this is the unfolding of God's revelation in Jesus. It will come about. We'll talk more about it in a minute, but let's just say you and I are not making a sales pitch to people when we share the gospel, not putting pressure, why? Because the gospel will do its work. Paul says that it is the power of God unto salvation. What else do we do with this? Well, we, I'll give you a third thing to consider. We lean, we lean on the gospel. What did he say there? Verse 23, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's, the, that's discernment. If you're a Christian, God has given you a measure of discernment so that you can separate truth from fiction. And, and Jesus even dials it in. If you have ears, let him, let him hear. So, so we put our full weight on the gospel of Jesus. I'll, I'll give you something else. Not only that, we, we should be growing 
in the gospel. We grow in the gospel. You see what Jesus says in verse 24? Look at verse 24. It can be a little confusing, but let's untangle it just a bit. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear. So that's the command. Now, with the measure you use in paying attention, with that measure, with the investment you make into hearing, when you really apply yourself to hearing, it will be measured back to you and even more than that. In other words, you can grow as a Christian in the gospel. There is discipleship. Here's your this is your community group. This is your discipleship group. This is you finding out more. What a pity it is for people to come to church their entire life and never actually grow in discipleship. I'll give you one more command I think is here in verse 25. And that is to believe, believe the gospel. I want to uh, address any of you here that are not yet Christians. You're not sure. There's something haunting about verse 25 when you read it. Jesus says, for to the one who has, the one who is receiving, is hearing and listening, more is going to be given. You're going to keep growing. And then the back end of that verse turns its attention to those that are not. For the one who doesn't have, not even what he has. What he has will be taken away. Here is the person that's not a Christian, but that has benefited has benefited in some way from being around Christians, being connected to the church. You've benefited from cultural Christianity. There is, there's been a sense of decency over the last century or so that Christianity, even if you weren't a Christian, that was brought to the forefront. Now that's fading. Like Connie and I were talking uh, this week. It feels as if uh, Romans 1 is coming true in our own world. If you've seen all the stuff going on with Target. Target? Where, where in Romans 1, where the judgment of God is that, that, that God gave them over to their own depraved minds. It, it feels like we live in that. And verse 25 is saying the, those that have benefited, not Christians, but they benefited from being close to the church or close to a Christian, even what you've benefited from is taken away from you. So, so my appeal to you is to is to believe the gospel of God that's been so lovingly given to you today. Come and receive the grace of God found in Jesus. We're marching forward as part of God's kingdom, and we do so joyfully, but in order for that joy to remain, the word of God must be our focus. Let's come away from the sayings now. Let's drop down into the parables. You'll find them there, verse 26. It's the second point, number two. The kingdom of God, if the word of God is our focus, the kingdom of God is our hope. The kingdom of God is our hope. Two parables, both of them about the kingdom. Let's read them and talk about them. Join me there, verse 26. Uh, by the way, verse 26 starts a parable you won't find any other place in the Gospels. This parable is unique to Mark. I don't know why Mark chose just to have this one and nobody else picked it up, but Mark puts it here for us to read. Let's pay special attention to what he says here. Verse 26. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man scattered the seed on the ground. It's the farmer. He goes and does his work, 
His work is to test the seed. He's sowing the seed, the seed hits the ground. We hope it's going to take root. He does that in verse 26. Verse 27, he goes about his routine. He sleeps, he rises night and day, doesn't worry about what's going on out there. The seed sprouts, grows, it does what it's going to do. Verse 26 and 27, he doesn't know how it works. That's not his job. Verse 28, Jesus says, the earth produces by itself. The Greek word is the, the word for automatic. Just, it, it happens. Nothing to do with the farmer. He sowed the seed. Everything else now is out of his hands. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. There's a process going here. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So you have three things. You have the sowing of the seed, the growing of the seed, and the harvesting of the crops. So let's back up and pull some things out of this parable. You ready? Let's go to it. Verse 26, what do we do? What do we learn is our obligation. Here's the first obligation. That is, number one, we sow the seed. That's our job. That's it. That's our only job, is to share the gospel. What does the farmer do? His, farmer, his job isn't to make it grow. His job is to share the gospel, put the seed on the ground. That's the only thing he can do. We scatter the seed. You have it within you to share the gospel. You know the gospel. God has given you people in your life that need to hear the gospel. You don't manipulate. You don't turn it into a sales pitch. You don't put pressure. You share the gospel. That's what the farmer does in verse 26. Come down to verse 27. What else can we learn here? Verse 27 tells us that you and I trust providence. What is providence? Providence is God working. We trust that God is going to actually do the work. Do you see how it's described in verse 27? A farmer. He sleeps, he rises night and day, goes about his business. He's not worried about it. There's nothing he can do. It's out of his control. All of that anxiety, all of that pressure, no. In fact, Jesus tells us he rises at night and day and he sleeps. The seed sprouts and it grows. He even gives a little commentary. The farmer doesn't know how it works. That's not his business. Look, our business is to share the gospel and God's business is to save people. You do not save people, but God does. And the means, the way he does it, is through the gospel you have shared. That's how God has chosen to save and call people to himself, and you have been given the grace of sharing the gospel. God will do all of the work. So what do we do? We stand back and pray. Verse 27, the farmer Jesus says, he don't know how it works, neither do I. All I can do is share the gospel and pray, God, please open their heart. God, please make their hearts, make their hearts filled with nutrients so that the gospel seed would grow. Father, please send the rain in there. Make it so that they are ready and that there would be something that happens. I don't know how it works. I don't know why God works like he does, but we trust and ask God to work. We trust that God's doing the work. 
We trust that there is something happening. In verse 28, there is this ongoing. The seed is dropped into the ground. Verse 28, the earth produces by itself. What does that tell us? We trust how God works. There's this idea that beyond us. So we trust how God works. And then in verse 29, we, we look expectantly. We look expectantly for the result. Notice the wording, verse 29. There are a couple of ways to understand this. I'll look briefly at both of them. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, the two ways to understand the harvest. This feels like it's quoting Joel chapter 3 and Revelation chapter 14 that speaks of the final day when the angels will come and harvest all of the souls. Those who are in Christ will spend eternity with God running toward the new heavens and the new earth. Those who are not in Christ will spend eternity tortured in hell. It, it, that feels like it, what it could be. So let me pause and say, if you are not in Christ, Christ, you've had the seed of the gospel planted into your heart. Ask God to save you based on what you have heard. We look to the result of God saving people. That's one way to understand it. Or it could be, it could be that Jesus has given us the typical cycle, sowing, sowing, growing, harvesting, sowing the seed and in your heart it begins to grow the natural process of being a Christian. And one day when you have breathed your last, you will be harvested, so to speak, with Jesus. Okay, we have there the first parable of the kingdom. That first parable tells us that the kingdom of God is our hope. Let's look very quickly at the second parable of the kingdom. You pick it up with me in verse 30. Let me just uh, read briefly and comment. Verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? It's interesting that he would uh, ask questions. There are two of them here. It's like he's saying, ah, let, me see if I can, let me see if I can explain this in a way you can understand it. With what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? So here is the parable of the mustard seed that is so small and the kingdom of God that is so large. Let me read it. It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Now, scientists will tell you it's not the smallest seed. He's talking to Palestinians. It would be the smallest seed that they know. He's making a point. It's like the mustard seed that's so small. You're familiar with that. Verse 32, yet when it's grown, when it's grown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nest in its shade. What is the point of that parable? I'll give you a couple of ways to look at it. One way to understand the point is that God can use the smallest acts, the smallest things you can do. God can use the most inconsequential words. You can never know what a small seed rightly planted can do. The understanding is the mustard seed is so small, the kingdom of God or the, the mustard tree or bush 
the largest one in the garden. It spreads out wherever it wants to. It's so big, the birds can come and sit on it. And the point is this, don't judge. Old Testament says, don't, don't despise the day of the small things. The point of this parable is not that there's power in the seed. The point is that there's, there's power in God. That God is the one who's going to take something so small and turn it into something that is so large. The point is a kind word. You don't have to be a scholar. A kind word. A dinner invitation. You, you saying to a neighbor, this is going to be so out of character, saying to a neighbor, how can I pray for you? We baptized 15 people last Sunday. One of them was a father and son. Father's Tom Jones with his son. Tom was a cop here prote protecting us. So thankful for the police that are here. Tom's a cop that's been here at Hickory Grove, he and his wife. And over the course of time, he was not raised in a church and have much for a church, but just small seeds. Do not despise the day of the small. Hey, people right now volunteering in the nursery so that moms and dads that had a hard week taking care of a child can come and worship. Doing that so this can happen. Men and women that, the greeters were here before me this morning. I walked by and there are greeters standing out the door. A raining, terrible Memorial Day weekend. There are going to be folks that come into this building. A lot of you sitting right here. You've had a terrible week and a greeter says something kind. It's just a seed. Friday night, Abby Sampson, one of our very own at Hickory Grove, at Hickory Grove Christian School, gave the graduation speech. And that speech was laced and filled and covered with the gospel. It started so small. See, the kingdom of God, the Bible teaches here, Jesus gives us the kingdom of God is going to flourish. It flourishes and goes where it wants and it starts with, with something small. The Word of God, see, is our focus, and the kingdom of God is our hope. Let me pull one last thing, verse 33 and 34. I'll make this a third point, number three, the grace of God. The grace of God is our comfort. There is grace in verse 33 and 34. 33 and 34 provide an editorial with two parts, both filled with grace. Let's look at the first grace in verse 33. <clears throat> Mark tells us, with many such parables, he spoke the word of God to them as, look at this grace right here, as they were able to hear it. What do you learn there? You can understand the gospel. It's not over your head. It's not more complicated that you can, the, the promise of verse 33 is that when Jesus speaks to the people, what he says there is said in such a way that they get it. Your problem is not that you don't get it. You get it. Your problem is submitting your life to the grace of God found in Jesus. You can understand gospel truth. That's for those that maybe are not in Christ, but let's come closer here in verse 34. Look at the grace here in verse 34 for his closest disciples. I love verse 34. Verse 34 tells us, He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately. 
Here's your discipleship. Privately to his own disciples, he explained to them everything. Okay, for those that are not saved, you can understand the gospel. Hey, for those of you that are, you, you can grow in the truth of the gospel. God has brought you close. He's brought you here. You have a Bible. You have a community group. You have a discipleship group. You have a family of believers around you. You have the truth in front of you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You can grow in the gospel. This is kingdom talk here. God's people take joy in God's kingdom plan. How do you do it? You focus on the word. The word of God is our focus. The kingdom of God is our hope. And the grace of God is our comfort. This morning we are going to end our time with a song. And I want to offer an invitation during this song. During the time of singing, it's our last worship song, there's there are people that you thought of that you want to pray for. When we sing this morning, I would just invite you to come forward and let's pray. Let's, you bring that person symbolically. Just, I want to pray for this person. There are others of you here uh, that, that for the first time, it's resonated, it clicked. And you realize you need Jesus Christ. When we sing this morning, we'll invite you to come forward. Our pastors will be here. And we can pray with you and talk to you about what it means to give your life to Jesus. If, if you're uncomfortable with that, then after the church service, we'll all be out in the lobby. Once you come and approach one of our pastors and say, I need to talk about what it means to have Jesus Christ save me. This morning, if God has spoken to your heart, when we sing, we'll invite you to come forward. Do join me now as we pray. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we pray for those that are without Christ, that we know and love. We ask that you would open their hearts to believe the gospel. Pray that you would give us the courage to share the gospel because we already know it. Help us to share it. Lord, I want to pray specifically for men and women here, unsure, and today have been convicted. By grace, will you call them to yourself? Bring them into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in him we pray and give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.